0: We thank you that because of Calvary and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have been given everlasting life. And you have promised us a home beyond this life, beyond the stars. A home that our Lord Jesus is preparing for those who love him. Father, I pray that we might take comfort in that, that blessed hope and the security we have in Christ today. I pray that you'd bring comfort to those here today that are hurting and and going through that valley. But Father, may we have no fear of it, for we know that Jesus Christ has conquered death. And now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts through thy word once again. And we'll give you the praise as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you take your Bibles with me this morning? And let's turn to our study in the first letter of the Apostle John, 1 John. And we are in chapter 3. So it's been a while since we've been here. We've had guest speakers and uh, but it's wonderful to be back in this marvelous letter that John wrote to the churches. And we're going to be picking it up at verse 11. 1 John three 11. Let's read this together. And now, by the way, the Apostle John uh, is going to begin a dissertation, an exhortation on love. And we know that he's the apostle of love. But let's read now as he continues his letter. Verse 11. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning. The beginning of their salvation. The beginning of when Christ brought uh, his, uh, his ministry to earth. That we should love one another. That we should love one another. If you recall, John in the upper room with the other disciples before Jesus was going to the cross, Jesus took a basin, some water, and a towel. And what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. And they didn't want, they they couldn't believe that their master, the Son of God, was wanting to wash their feet. And they they said, No, Lord, Peter said, You're not going to wash my feet. And he, Jesus said, if you, you don't allow me to do this, you don't have any part in me. Jesus was demonstrating to them what true godly love really does. How it is is exemplified and shown, demonstrated. And so Jesus washed their feet. And then he heard Jesus say, In John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you what? Love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also may love one another. And most of you remember the next verse. By this shall all men know that you are what? My disciples if you have love one for another if you have love one for another john then as he heard this jesus exhort his his disciples after he leaves to remain in my love and love one another jesus then demonstrated that love as he went to the cross and because of his love for us, he took those nails and was crucified in our place. And so John now is reminding the believers here of that old and new commandment. Because it's also old because it's found in the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus is now talking about uh, loving each other we who are part of the church, but the, the apostle John is uh, has already reminded them of this truth back in chapter two. There, look just look back at chapter two, verse seven to eleven. You see, John, what, what John had written previously. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had, have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother, verse 10, abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So here, the the Apostle John, suddenly back here, he is giving the contrast between loving our brethren and hating our brethren. And so he picks up on that again. If you go back to chapter 3, John's picking up on this very subject and this same contrast. And in our text this morning, John applies, I would say, call it the number one uh, test for authentic Christianity in a person's life. You might call it evidence. Do you remember the statement that was used? uh, You've heard it in the past. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be what? enough evidence to convict you. I had to ask myself, would I be convicted of being a Christian? What would be the evidence that would be brought to court showing that I truly am a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, as you know, those of you who've seen courtroom dramas, have been in them and been on a jury, you know that they bring in evidence to prove their case. And uh, some of that evidence is called an exhibit, an exhibit. And uh, they bring in an exhibit list, okay? Now, basically, according to Black's Law Dictionary, an exhibit is a document record, or tangible object formally introduced as evidence in the court. So each thing is called an exhibit. An exhibit list, then, is provided to the court. It's a court document that lists all the uh, exhibits that you intend to use at trial as evidence. And there is what is called... Demonstrative exhibits. Demonstrative exhibits. And I found this very am- curious, and it tied in so beautifully with what John is trying to say. Demonstrative exhibits. What does that mean? They are exhibits that intend to demonstrate an important fact or set of facts in your case, usually through A visual depiction. Okay? So it's something that uh, you would bring exhibit A, something that the jury can look at and see and go, yeah, I think that, uh, that proves his point. Proves he's telling the truth. John gives us what I'll call this morning exhibit A to prove an authentic Christian. Okay, but I want you to understand. And again, here he is going to make the contrast because that number one exhibit is what? According to John, it's love of the brethren. It's how I love you and you love me. This is what John was concerned about. Exhibit A is loving one another, the greatest evidence that can show the world and show other believers that I am truly saved. I truly belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John's going to get out his, you might say, his black and white paint, and he's going to do some painting here, but there's no gray areas. He's going to make it clear, but I want us to understand what John, again, is, is really concerned with, what's on his mind? He wants to expose the errors of heretics. Throughout the letter, we read that there are those who left the church and went out from them, and they went out with heresy, and they, they, they began to live a life... Uh, and and teach false doctrine, and they wanted people to follow them out of the church. And if they didn't follow those those false teachers and heretics, they would turn on the church, turn on the believers, and begin to to detest them and hate them. And the the people in the church are going, these are Christians that left us. But, but now they hate us? Why, why is that? And so they're all confused because these so-called Christians are despising and hating them because they don't believe what they're teaching. And so we have to remember that this is, this is John's umbrella, okay, when he talks about hatred versus love. So the, he's going to make clear the mark of the world is hatred, And the mark of the church is love. Look with me at verse 12. So now after he says that we should love one another, reminds them of that. He brings an illustration out from the Old Testament. Verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's interesting that this is the only explicit Old Testament reference in John's epistles and the only proper name except for the references to Christ and to God. But I believe John chose Cain as the example here because he was the first person on Earth, to be born with the curse of sin and with that sinful heart, and we know the whole story of how he killed Abel as you look look it up in Genesis, but turn to Hebrews chapter eleven with me let 's go over to hebrews eleven four just back a few books hebrews eleven four The writer of Hebrews, which we believe is the Apostle Paul, or many believe it to be him, he writes about Cain and Abel. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, Though he was dead, now he still speaks. See, Abel's still speaking. His story goes on. Why? Because he was persecuted by his own brother and put to death. Why? Because his deeds were righteous and Cain's deeds were evil. Notice it says there, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. It's the kind of sacrifice that God desired, wanted. Through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. In other words, he's saying that Abel demonstrated his righteousness by the act of the sacrifice to God. And there are different Ways that we can show the world and show the Lord that we are walking in righteousness by what we offer to him. What sacrifices do we bring to the Lord every day and say, Lord, I bring this to you. And we may bring maybe uh, something that we're dealing with in our own heart, pride or anger or, or bitterness, something, and we bring it to the Lord and Father, I offer this to you, cleanse me, forgive me, and we, we offer that. Or we offer the, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We just thank the Lord during the day for what he has done for us and what, what he has given us and what he has not given us. The sacrifice of thanksgiving, how often do I give that to the Lord? There are many other sacrifices that we can make. How about our families? Many of you have given your children and your grandchildren over to the Lord. You have offered them because they they are out of your control once they are adults, and all you can do is pray for them. The most important thing we can do is to give them as an offering unto the Lord and say, these are your children, Lord, that you gave me. But Father, I pray that you would protect them, keep them from the evil one, Keep them from sin. And I open my hands and let go. How many of us walk around all day and week with our fists closed, our hands clenched like this, holding on to things that we want, think that we can control and we can fix. And all the while, the Lord is saying, I want you to open your hand and surrender it to me. That's what... Abel did and Abel paid a price for his righteousness. Go go back with me now if you would then to 1 John 3 again notice in verse 12 when he writes of Cain not as Cain okay the opposite of loving one another not as Cain who was of the evil one notice it doesn't say Cain who was evil, but it says he was of the evil one who 's the evil one folks the enemy satan it's satan he 's talking about that Satan had control of uh, of Cain and his heart his wicked heart and his wicked deeds manifested themselves in murder and so we need to understand that there is Going to, there, there are going to be those that will hate you and hate me because of our righteous life, because we name the name of Christ, and there's evidence to show it. Look at verse 13. John then writes, Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. In other words, don't be shocked if the world hates you. Boy, now, now more than ever, you just every single story that seems to come on the front page or on the news that you you watch, it's more violence, isn't it? I mean, mass murders every day, and there's there's murder on every day, and you read another story, the hatred that comes out, and then you have those that have attacked churches, gone into churches and began shooting, killing. Believers, and through the centuries, we have seen in history how Satan has used the world, unbelievers, to attack the children of God. Don't be surprised, dear dear loved one, if you find yourself being persecuted at work. Or in your family with, uh, from unsaved loved ones and members of your family that y- you're walking a different path than they are. And they may cut you off. They may want nothing to do with you. They may even hate you. I shared this with the men in the Bible study uh, that there was a, uh, uh, a fellow I knew in uh, Bible, Bible college uh, Philadelphia College of Bible where I went to school, and he was a Jew. He was a little older student, but uh, he told me a story. He said, he said Base, I said, why, why are you here? He says, well, I'm, I'm seeking, I am I'm know the Lord has a plan for my life. He said, uh, I, I gave my heart to Christ. When I became a Christian, my Orthodox family disowned me. My dad told me, as soon as I came home and told him I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I'm now a Christian, he said, I have no son. Don't come back. He was kicked out of the house. His, the whole community that he lived in, which was near New York City, basically excommunicated him. Complete persecution. His family was wealthy, they had all kinds of money, and he told me, he says, but I gave that all up because I knew what Jesus was giving me, that he gave his life, and I, only through him could I be saved, and I believed he was the Son of God, the true Messiah, and then he would share with me that, that he basically left with the clothes on his back and he enrolled into the school, got a job, but he'll ne- he never saw that inheritance or anything else or felt the love of family anymore. But you know where he did begin to feel the love of a family? In the family of God, there in the college where he met other believers who had done the same thing And we came around him and showed him love and tried to lift him up and encourage him. And suddenly, he he saw the reality of Jesus Christ. Why? And how? Because of the love that the other students showed him. He saw love that the world wasn't giving him, that his family wasn't giving him. So this is... John is trying to explain here. Don't be surprised if... The world hates you. Now let's look at verse 14 and 15. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we have love of the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. here at this point john uh is is now identifying an unbeliever remember again remember he's ta- he, his his overall thinking is there are false teachers that are in the church and have left the church and are influencing the people there and and the believers don't understand why are, am i being hated by another Christian. And you know, there are those that are going to call themselves Christians in your life. But then you're going to see that they hate you for some reason. that They despise you. And they, they suddenly they don't want anything to do with you. And you sense that hate. You sense that hate. The Greek word for hate here, John uses, he only used it one other time in his gospel. And he used it when, uh, uh, and this w- word hate, well, he used it here in this letter, but it's mesio is the Greek word for hatred. And it means literally to detest especially to persecute to detest there's the word if you want a word to fit hate this hatred it's the word detest when someone detests you that's that's the enemy and th- that is comes from a heart who doesn't it's a, someone who doesn't know the lord it true hatred but he's john's talking about not just a one-time get angry at somebody. Okay, so don't feel like you're going into a don't go into a guilt trip, you know. Because there, uh, how many have known people that don't like you, who are Christians, and maybe you just don't like them. Maybe you don't get along. Your personality's class, right? It's not, and and some people would say, oh, that's hatred, but it's not really hatred. What John is talking about is a hatred that is practiced in life over and over and over again. It's a way of life. It's a behavior of life. That's the kind of hatred he's talking about here. But love, the opposite, what that will do in the body of Christ. And I can say as a pastor here, I have seen so much love the love of Christ, love for one another. When someone's hurting, the rest of you come beside. How can I help? A phone call, a card, you know, taking someone out to lunch or, 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 or visiting them in the hospital, whatever it is. Thank you, Jonestown Bible Church, for demonstrating your love to the brethren here. What will love do? Well, sometimes we think that the the way we feel is maybe hatred, and we're thinking, oh, does this fit me? No, it doesn't. If you're a believer this morning, you you may get angry at someone, you may want to get some revenge, but it it can't be put in this uh, category of hatred. Here's an interesting story. Newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred toward her husband. And this is what she said. I do not want only, I don't want only to get rid of him. I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he hurt me. Does that sound familiar? So Dr. Crane suggested this ingenious plan. This is what he said to the wife. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait he has. Go out of your way to be kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. (laughs) Then tell him, I'm out of here. Telling him that you're getting a divorce at that time, that will really hurt him. Well, with revenge in her eyes, she smiled and said, well, that's a beautiful plan. Boy, will he ever be surprised. And she went and did it with enthusiasm. So for two months, she showed her love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing with her husband. When she didn't return to Dr. Crane's office, he called her and said, Are you ready now to go through with a divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered I really do love him. I really do love him. You see, she acted on, acted out love, and it showed that she truly did have love in her heart that she didn't realize she had. And there may be someone who's uh, uh, upsetting you, in your life, a Christian, another believer. My friends, the Lord wants us to love them, no matter how they treat us, no matter how what they do to us, and that we might love them with the love of Christ. But let's go back here and finish up. I want you to just read to verse 18. So he's talking about the hatred again, but this is a a, a practical Uh, you know, ongoing hatred in behavior every day. That he's talking about verses 14 and 15. Verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And there, of course, he is bringing forth the great example of the Lord Jesus laying down his life. The ultimate sacrifice. So what is John saying? Look at Christ. If you want to know how to love, look at the Savior What did he do? The ultimate sacrifice. He laid down his life. And I have to ask myself, am I willing to lay down my life for you? Any one of you today? Or are you uh, uh, at the point where you feel you could lay down your life? No, we would say, oh, no, my skin first. But here John is saying, look to the Lord, what he did. And then verses 17 and 18. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let not us love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. What is John saying now? He's saying, your love is going to be shown by the things you do to the, to the brethren. Those that are hurting, those that are in need, those that, that need help. Basically the same idea that Jesus was trying to explain with the Good Samaritan. But John is making it clear here. And John is lining up with what James said. There in James, uh, the book of James chapter 2, if you recall, James said, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, you sit here. But you say to the poor man, oh, you stand over there or sit at my footstool. You see, John went through the same thing uh, as James when he's trying to explain to the church, our deeds will prove our love. And dear Christian, this week, we are going out there. and We are going to be tested. There are going to be those that hate you. And the hatred for the Christian and the church is just going to grow. It's going to get worse and worse. But you and I, what we must do is we must... Continue to remain unified and to love one another. And Jesus said, right? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one for uh, for another. Let us show the world the reality of Christ in us. That we are truly born again and they can have that same love, the love of God in their life as we love one another. And though the world persecutes us, we love our enemy. And we know that God will reward us one day for our faithfulness. Dear brothers and sisters, go in love. Let's pray together. As we close our service, dear friend to this morning, If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior and you don't know anything about the love of God because you've never come to that cross and accepted Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to do that right now. Just open your heart and receive him by faith and ask him to come in and forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you will become a child of God forever. You want to make that decision now today? You want to know the reality of Christ in your life? Look to the cross right now and look at the love that was shown you when Jesus died in your place. If you're ready to trust him with your heart and life, pray with me now. Pray a simple prayer like this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now born again. You've been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God looks on you as if you've never sinned. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for any decisions that have been made this day. I pray that any new believers, Lord, would have the assurance leaving here that they have been sealed into your family by the Holy Spirit and no one can pluck them out of your hand. Father, thank you for so great a salvation. And Father, I pray that we as your children might walk in love. Love for one another, no matter what, so that we may have exhibit A to show the world that we belong to Christ, we belong to you. Thank you, Father, for what you will do through us as we love through you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.